This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Michael here with you, and I'm in the studio with Pastor Craig Jarvis from Village Church East. Hello, Craig. Bonjour. Also with Pastor Tim Chin, back from vacation. South Florida. South Florida, baby. On a motorcycle. Mission trip. Uh, no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Just because you're hanging out with a missionary. Three. Is missionaries, <laughs> does not make it a mission trip. Now, that being said, did you raise funds for it? Uh, no, oh, we had okay. many, many, many conversations about As any mission. Christian friends should do. Absolutely. I love it. All right, so welcome back from, <laughs> welcome back from that. <laughs> and uh, our Wednesday episodes uh, for the next eight weeks, um, for most of January and February, are going to be pretty different. And uh, we are in a series at church called Explore God, where we're dealing with the seven biggest questions that non-Christians ask about Christianity. They also happen to be the seven most difficult questions for Christians to answer. So what we have done is on all of our digital platforms and live, we've opened up the opportunity for people to submit questions. If you're at Village Church East, you can text VC East uh, to 555-888. And VC East Sermons. VC East Sermons. To five 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 eight eight eight. Swing and a miss. My repentance is <laughs> strong as ever today. I changed. And then uh, you can also uh, type in VC sermon for Bartlett sermons to five 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 eight eight eight. And uh, what that does is it opens up a thread for you. And uh, once that thread is open, you can text any and all of, of your questions. So we've been getting questions today. Uh, Pastor Craig and I are going to seek to answer. So Pastor Tim, would you would you do us a favor? Would you? interrogate us. I will. And let's, let's just see pleasure. what happens. So we actually have a, a series of good questions here. The first one is, you said, so I'm assuming. <laughs> Whenever anybody starts a sentence you with, said. You said. It was your fault. It, it was is, your fault. I apologize. And strangely, it is directed at you, Michael. Uh, if it's figure. anybody, it's you. It's not Craig. <laughs> All right. So Michael, you said over you and said. over that the atheist usually is in that spiritual condition because of something in their past not scientific reasons. You encourage listening to the heart of that person. So the question is, so what's next? How would you then counsel them after hearing the pain that led them to their atheism? That's good. That's a good question. Yep. So one of the things that we we talked about, and Craig and I both um, touched on this. Thank you for giving me credit for that, actually. I thought you were joking about that, but lo and behold. And, uh, <clears throat> you listen to my message. I listen to all your messages. It's <laughs> 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 been a long time in the bathroom on that. A lot. Um, so... <laughs> Craig preaches really long sermons. No, just kidding. That one was like just over 40 minutes. Good job. Um, but the one of the things that we said is that there are two primary reasons that people become atheists. The primary reason is they're disappointed in God uh, or at least their conception of who he is. And the second reason is that theism is inconvenient for the lifestyle they want to live. One of the things that I told people, and, and I understand that could land as insulting, but I have yet to hear a scientific defense for atheism. In fact, when you listen to people on TV, you listen to debates between theists and, and atheists. In fact, all atheists have ever spoken to have never given me a scientific reason for it. The reason for their atheism typically goes like this. And, and this is not meant to be offensive. It's just more anecdotal and observational here. Uh, they'll say, if there is a God, then he must be a sadistic megalomaniac I can't believe that. Therefore, there's no God. Mm. And I didn't use this in my sermon. I wish I would have. But that's sort of like saying, I don't believe Michael exists because he's a terrible person. 
So therefore, I am a, I don't believe he exists. Mm. That actually is so illogical, but it is a justifiable reason in the pop culture machine to say you're an atheist. The problem is when you poke at it, it just it's an illogical statement. I don't believe Michael exists because if he did exist, I don't like who he is. Like you may not like who God is. Sounds like a marriage. Sounds like a marriage. I don't believe you exist anymore. <laughs> I know, right? You're dead to me. Right. You're about to fire somebody. I don't believe you exist. <laughs> right? yeah. it's, it's, it's a, but that is actually the way the logic goes. And then there are some people who um, they just know if they were to believe in God, it would be so inconvenient for their life. Well, their lifestyle would have to change. Absolutely. And you asked a question that I don't remember what it was. <laughs> I was like explaining the context. And I'm like, there. so what was the question? Again? So the question <laughs> is. If someone reached the point of being an atheist yes, because yes, of yes, pain, yes, 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 yes. because of some disappointment with God, what's next? So when you do have a pastor hat on, it actually does change some dynamics. So I do know that I'm able to go deep quick because mm -hmm. people also know that I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. I'm probably used to this kind of stuff. So, But one of the things that I encourage our church to do is whenever you hear somebody is an atheist, don't battle about theism or atheism. You're never right. going to convince them anyways. Right. Understand that atheism is almost always, I've never had an experience that would prove otherwise, it's almost always the result of a pain point or a disappointment. Yes. Thoughtful atheism. My encouragement was, why don't you just listen? Because whether you're a theist or an atheist, there's typically a reason, there's a story, there's a context. And for the theist, mm -hmm. it might be the home they grew up in or whatnot. It could be um, some weird supernatural experience they had, but... I do think that there is too much energy around the discussion because the energy, like if an atheist wants to convince a theist that there's no God, the energy won't help, won't do anything. Yeah, uh, You're never going to convince me by yelling at me, but it goes both ways. Arguing doesn't make anything happen. In fact, what I found that people are rarely moved to theism or atheism because of an argument, they're moved by an experience. Mm -hmm. That is a human thing. It's not a belittling thing. And I would just say when you get to the experience of things, People are a lot more human and they deserve to be honored and their stories need to be heard. And so honestly, I don't try to convince most people of anything. If they want to talk, I'll talk. If they want to debate ideas. I mean, I convince Craig of stuff all the time, but um, I want to empathize. So Craig, what, Craig's what got his hand say? up. Craig literally has his hand up. Saying, He's wanting to say something. Michael, shut your mouth. I have stuff to say. No, you got a lot to say. That's, that's uh, very that's interesting. Very usual. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a story. Oh, good. We which, met up which, with by the way, that's actually good communication. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So you won't I, remember what I said. You'll remember what he said. <laughs> I met up with this lady who was a 70s child, and uh, she was brought up in a home that was atheistic, and she was an atheist just because that's what came natural to her. She married this guy. He was a pseudo-Christian, and uh, they had their first child. Uh, he wanted to start being a little bit mature in their relationship now that they had children, and so he started bringing her to church, and uh, she struggled so much with all of these questions, every question that you would think an atheist would have, right? Mm. And growing up in a home where these questions are ignored or not even asked, now she is faced with all these questions. And not only that, she knows her kid is going to start asking her yeah. all these questions as well once, yeah. once her kid grows up. And so we went out and lunch with these folks. One of the lunches I will always remember, he set it up and he said, Craig, you just got to convince her that there's a God. <laughs> And I said, no sweat. Yeah. Uh, that should be easy. Mm -hmm. And so we sat down, and she yeah. actually had a notebook full of questions that she brought to the, the lunch table. 
And we sat there for hours and she just started asking question after question after question. And as I started talking to her, I started to realize that she was no longer reading her notes from her pad. Uh, instead, she was talking to me as a person and I was talking to her as a person and she realized, and then she just started crying and she said, it's not that I don't want to believe, it's just that I don't understand. And I said, just relax. Just, this, is, this is a journey that you're on. These are questions that everybody has. This is not offend God. It doesn't offend me. It just means that you're on a journey. You're searching right now. And the Lord is going to find you where you're at and speak to you just the way that you need to be spoken to. And within, uh, within a couple of weeks, she had given her life to Jesus Christ. And uh, she, <clears throat> she is one of the most outstanding Christians I know at this point <laughs> in my life. Her whole family are, are believers. And, and uh, it, it's not that she, you know, that she was, <clears throat> she had any animosity toward God. She just didn't know him. Yep. And she had taken everything that she learned in college. She was well-educated. She, had, she, had she has a doctorate degree. Mm. But she had never actually taken time to seriously question the things that she should have been questioning as an adult. Yeah, wow. And uh, until the child came along, then she had to question those things and the Lord just touched her in her heart. And I don't, I don't know if that uh, works for every single person, mm -hmm. but in that case, uh, it was a real palatable moment for me to say, all atheists are not just atheists because they hate God. They just may not have all the information and they need somebody they trust they can speak into their lives. Yep. I think most Christians' perspective, for better or for worse, is how do I get them saved? And you can't. can't. Like that's can't. literally not your job nor your concern. Um, your job and your concern is a love them, be in yep. a relationship. Yep. In fact, if if I could like help all Christians with one thing, like I'm not friends with people to get them saved. That's right. just not my motivation for right. being friends that's with somebody. That's up someone. to God. I can be really, really great friends with somebody, and uh, I have no expectation or need for them to trust in Christ for me to be friends with them. My only requirement is they have to allow me to speak freely about mm -hmm. my God and my mm -hmm. relationship with him. If they yep. want to be friends with me, they need to know that's the most important part of my life. So you can't like yeah. ask me to put that away. And your most important part of your life might be your atheism or Islam. And and if I'm going to be friends with you, I have to be able to listen and, and engage you for what's important to you. Yep. So that I think is – is uh, so like even the question – I just want to make sure – and I don't sense this in the question asker, but I could sense other people. I want to make sure that – that the concern is not getting them saved, that is God's job. The Our concern job. is to love them. Right. And I do think it's valuable that, um, like, every one of my friends who's not a Christian understands the gospel. Yeah. Because I talk to them about it. Well, I don't talk yes, to them about the it. They know, they the, know gospel the gospel because you shared it. They, and most of them could repeat it, you know, yeah. but they don't know the gospel because I am preaching at them. They know mm -hmm. the gospel because we talk about it. Yes. Because it's pretty central to who I am. So the, for the believer, I would say always be ready for an answer with an answer for the hope that lies within you because someday you're going to get those questions and you never know when they're going to come mm -hmm. or why they're going to come. What yep. it, When it does come, it comes. Yeah. 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 And just be prepared. But I, I think uh, our greatest example is Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was so convenient. Our greatest example. I just want to, I want to go and say, yeah. right. let me go back to scripture for a minute. <laughs> um, These preachers. The, <laughs> Well, Jesus, you know, you know how he treated the Pharisees, right? And that's because with disdain, yeah, because they <laughs> said that they had all the answers and they were leading people astray. But it's the people that didn't have the answers yeah. that were crushed by life's onslaught that he had incredible love and care and patience with. And uh, it's those people that pestered him all the time, and it's those people he took the time with. So yeah. I think yep. we learn from that. Yep. Yeah, Renee and I are actually in this situation right now with uh, a friend of ours that we've had a relationship with for over 20 years. Mm. And uh, she grew up in a home that was pseudo-Christian. 
uh, she went to church. The family parents made them go to church, but she heard the gospel. I don't know if, if she ever understood the gospel or accepted the gospel, but after she was married, had kids, some terrible things happened in her life. Uh, some things happened in her child's life. And to speak to what you just said earlier was it was so crushing to her, her question to both my wife and me, mm. how could God have allowed that? I know that the Bible says that God could stop bad things from happening, but he didn't. Where was God when all these bad things happened? And I just can't trust a God that would allow this. Now, what what's happened in her life is that because of that terrible, awful thing that happened, she did divorce uh, the husband. She got a boyfriend, and this boyfriend was a professing Christian. And the the boyfriend ended up on his deathbed because of cancer. And I remember visiting with him and her standing in the room and me asking the question, are you and God okay? You know, have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? And he gave a very clear understanding and acceptance of Jesus as a Savior. And I said, now, are you afraid of what's coming next about what's going to happen when you die? And he said, no, not at all. And that rocked her world in the sense of now she's seen the gospel living lived out and what a Christian is professing that she knows and respects and trusts. And now it's like, okay, what do I do with this now? And again, she's still at this point where if God really is the one that can heal, why didn't he heal my boyfriend? Why did he allow him to die? And this has been a journey that she's been on for more than five years that we've walked her through this. And, you know, for us, it's just patiently being there for her and having the conversations when the opportunity comes and knowing that she's still on a journey. And to this, to this series, she reached out to my wife on Friday and said, I really want to go to your church. I see that you guys are asking the question, is there a God? So I know we're way over time here, but one thing that came out of this message for me was how many times God says, for though the fool is said in his heart, there is no God. And then you read further down in Psalm 53 and it says, God looks down from heaven on the children of men to see if there are any who understand who seek after God and they've all fallen away. They've together become corrupt. There's none who seek after God. And yet there's other passages of scripture where Paul talks to, talks about people uh, and he talks to this group of people that are worshiping false gods. And he said, God is not far from from any one of us, and uh, he seeks after us, mm -hmm. and he mm -hmm. waits for us to seek after him. Mm. And I, I think that's really the key. So I would say if you have an atheist friend and uh, they're, they're seeking, if they seek with an honest heart, God will seek after them as well. And it doesn't matter how eloquent your words are or how, how well you structure together, how many theological degrees you have, you plant the seed, God brings the growth. Yeah. I don't care who the person is. If they have had a pain story, stop, listen. Yeah, listen. Love them well. I don't care what their faith is. Yeah. Okay. Amen, amen, amen. amen. All right, next question. Next question. You mentioned in your message the hierarchy of creation, and we were wondering why you didn't take the opportunity to explain that we stand above the animals because we are created in the very image of God. Yeah, why didn't you do yeah, that? Yeah, why didn't you do yeah, that, Michael? Michael? I mean, we did that at Village Church East because you're <laughs> right away. Because Craig preached for two hours. <laughs> That's right. 
That's true. <laughs> Sorry. The, they go on to say, the world has been taught evolution, which ties to negate the truth that God chose to create us in his own image, giving us a greater standing among his creation. It also connects, uh, I'm sorry, corrects those who are animal right activists and try to uh, elevate them over people. Uh, also, we're one, we wondered if God created the necessary of sleep, as you uh, stated it. And it is, I have to keep going. This question just continues to go on. It's good. It's good. Yeah. I, <laughs> and, yeah. Oop, and if. Necessity of sleep. And necessity of sleep. And if that was Upon another result of the fall. So there's a lot there. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to be real simple uh, in my answer. Unlike our last answer, which was verbose. <laughs> the reason I didn't go after all that, because it wasn't a sermon on evolution. No. It wasn't a sermon on the image of God. Yeah. It was a sermon on God. It wasn't a sermon on PETA or on animal rights activists. So in any message, there are, you should see my notes, because I actually put my rants in my notes, and then I'll cut them and paste them at the end of my notes so that I don't go on the rant in the middle of the sermon. <laughs> Anytime you teach, it's like, well, this implies that, which implies this. And it's an endless game of rabbit trails yeah. that the preacher has to be aware of. And what I have to remember is that every rabbit trail I go on distracts from the point of the message. And in terms of communication, um, for me, my objective is not to get every idea I have on the table. Um, hence, I mean, Craig and I's notes Gosh, how much do we have to cut, Greg? Unbelievable uh, amounts. That's the most amount of time. Uh, this this upcoming Sunday, I have to, gosh, it, I have six full hour-long sermons I could preach on it. Legitimately, no, no mm -hmm. exaggeration. It's crazy. Yeah, that's the most painful thing for a preacher is taking the good material that we have either thought up or come across or studied and putting it to side yeah. and saying, you know what? Yeah, that's good material, but... I That's some, not what this message is I have about. Some genius thoughts. Yeah, but nobody ever knows about them. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, you could you could finish a message and have twelve people come up to you and say, "Why didn't you oh, touch yeah. on this? Why didn't you touch on that?" So, in the in terms of like the philosophical arguments or scientific arguments for the existence of God, I touched on three, and there there are about seven more. Yeah, like easily ones that all point in that direction. And I'm like, listen, I just I just don't a have the time. Again, it's just knowing. Uh, what is going to be the most effective? I think the three I made were the strongest ones, for my opinion. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that I have an objective. And when I go back through my message before I preach it, I regularly have to, like, ask myself, is this about the message? Um, in fact, um, there's a little uh, preacher tip for anybody teaching. We are all prone to be indulgent preachers. In fact, um, with our younger preachers, I use this word with them a lot. You're being indulgent. Mm. You're doing things that you want to do that are good for you, that you enjoy, that make you happy, but they're not servant-hearted for the yeah. people. So it is not uncommon, actually, on Sunday mornings. I That's when I'm probably the most clear-headed. Um, I cut and cut yep. and cut and cut. And what happens Saturday night versus Sunday morning is a very big difference. That's because I'm even blind to my own indulgence. But the amount of times I preach, and, and I don't, again, I don't hear this in this person's attitude at all no, for what it's worth, but so. the amount of times I preach and people are like, well, why don't you talk about that? I'm like, because it's not literally not what I was talking about. There are so many social, cultural, political issues that I have opinions on, but I just have to keep focused. So, and then the sleep one, which is a good question. I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Craig? Is, is sleep a part of the fall or is it, um, part of the human condition that God... I would definitely say it's not a part of the fall because if you recall when Eve was made from Adam, God put Eve, put Adam to sleep. Yeah. So 
God's not going to indulge in a sinful behavior. Something is knocking somebody unconscious different than the need for rest. I don't like, know. Let me check it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ow! Goodness, that hurt. No. Can't I believe you no. did that. Yeah. Michael's laying on the floor. My head here. is as hard as a table. <laughs> No. I'm not on the table, and Craig didn't hit me, no. just so we're all clear. I think uh, I could hear somebody being like, I knew he was a jerk. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> There's something in our physiological makeup that we need sleep in order to recoup, you know, recharge our batteries. So yeah. uh, there's no indication in Scripture I, that I know of that sleep yeah. is a result of the fall. Yep. No, I would say it's an example of the seventh day. My parents Giving would agree us with you example. fully. If you don't have a nap on Sunday, then there's something yeah. seriously wrong with your spiritual life. Hey, man, I like yeah, your yeah. parents. I know. Yeah. Wow. I kind like, of been following in their footsteps. Yeah, that's my jam. Every Sunday. And when, when when we have, like, events on Sundays and I can't take a nap, I'm like, no. Like, I have to sleep. And then my kids come in. They're like, dad, 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 so-and-so is pushing me. And I'm like, leave me yeah, alone. That's a result of the fall. That, that is a result of the yeah. fall. Yeah. Don't mess with my two-hour nap. Oh, good grief. You guys, for two hours, you don't say a word. You don't open this door <laughs> unless there is blood, death, <laughs> damages. Oh my Over goodness! Over a thousand dollars. I don't. <laughs> What's a thousand dollars? What's a thousand dollars? Then. Yeah, they don't Gosh. know. Sorry, All right, sorry. there's another question of which. Are we going to try that one? Probably put my foot in my mouth. All right. Here Doesn't the second law of thermodynamics only apply to a closed system and therefore not violated by the theory of evolution? Because there are plenty of ex. Uh, uh, my page is cut off. What is it? What's the word? Ex. I can't read it. Examples. Examples. Okay. It, that, mine cuts off as EXT. <laughs> mine says EXTE, and that's all I can read. Oh, goodness. Um, uh, the second Ex-tamples. law. Examples. Uh, the second law doesn't speak of <laughs> requiring sen- sentences. Well, there, uh, there you, go. you go. Now I'm stuck. Sentience. Sentience. the coffee or whatever's yeah. in there. I love as listening in the to you case, read small letters. Yes. As in the case of water <laughs> becoming more ordered as it becomes ice. Uh, we talked a little bit about this question. Quite yeah. a bit before Mike, we start some recording. Amazing thoughts I on have. This. I'm going to change <laughs> your life. Oh boy! The answer to the first question is yes. The second law of thermodynamics applies to closed systems. The principles of the second law of thermodynamics are apply everywhere. Entropy. So, uh, the idea that entropy, chaos always coming out of order. Right. When you tap into the third law of thermodynamics, you have the sense that as temperature gets colder to zero. Entropy decreases and slows down. That is also a reality. So, so second yes, law of thermodynamics is all things tend towards chaos and disorder in a closed system. When and some, when, third law, when an external, uh, unless an external force is imposed upon. And then the it. third law speaks towards that. The third law speaks towards entropy slows down as the temperature gets colder in a closed so system. I'm obviously speaking very layman terms, and yeah. I'm not a I'm not a scientist. That, but yeah, I, that would not know. be what a scientist would. How they, they would, would use categorize five that. syllable words and yeah, then agreed. start so, talking about equations. So can I just give an example for those that don't really care about the second law of thermodynamics, mm-hmm. but do love coffee? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> when you get when you get coffee in your coffee cup, preferably it's hot. Yes, I like but, iced coffee. But so. with but when oh, yeah, boy. even if it's iced coffee, what happens to it at room temperature? Ooh, it melts. The ice melts in it. Yeah. So basically something, unless there's an external force applied to it, it will tend toward disorder. Coffee gets cold. That's what it does. So in the test environment, that's where the law, the law is tested and evaluated in a closed environment, but it applies. And and you could make, I'm not a scientist. I'm not going to breach the debate and I'm probably, you know, but like when does something become a closed system? It has to do with temperature variance and how controlled the temperature is. So 
Uh, obviously, there's a massive amount of temperature variation in our world, which sure. makes it not a closed system. But the principles apply pretty simply. So, And I think the person asking the question, because they are as smart as I'm sure they actually are to ask the question the way they did, would understand that all the principles of thermodynamics are at play in our world all around us constantly, even though we don't have constant temperature in a closed system. So, mm -hmm. The very idea of the Big Bang would speak against the second law of thermodynamics when two nothings come together to make something orderly. There's, there's no external force to them. There's no – well, unless you, you consider the collision – but the collision of two non-existent things that don't actually exist and create something that's existing doesn't fit into the law of second law of thermodynamics. So, I think I agree with you. You got smarter than me at that point. I hope so. you agree with him. Yeah. So what he's the, saying is the right. Snowflake question is interesting. My answer may not suffice this person. Uh, the question is uh, when you have water and a non-sentient, non-conscious, basically. Cold, cold, you know, environmental, which is not intelligent. Okay, I get you. Know, you. When it when it freezes, uh, the water forms crystals, which are very orderly and predictable. Although they're all different. See, I would argue that that's not true because no two crystals have the same makeup. Neither, they, neither they're do all faces, but yeah, they're are, all unique. So that doesn't speak to order. That speaks to disorder. In my mind, I wouldn't call that disorder. I would call that order. But this is where I would say my – I don't have a great answer for it other than it's really clear that sentience organized it that way. Yes. But I am hearing all of the feedback. So here's what I had said in my sermon, which I think stands to reason. I think I still stand by it. I don't have a reason to disagree with it yet. But the idea is this, is that when you have something like – I'm just – I'm going to put myself in the position of somebody who believes in a Big Bang and evolutionary theory. When you have a massive explosion of epic proportions and more radiation than we could possibly imagine, the idea that there is going to be order out of the chaos of space matter flying at un unbelievable speeds throughout space is illogical and impossible unless a conscious force exerts itself upon that. I think what I would probably just say in this circumstance is because I don't believe in evolution that very simply that the way this world was organized, you even see the fingerprints of God all throughout it, even in the way that cold transforms ice. Uh, it's almost like it's screaming back to us. Um, something designed this because this isn't even like a... Well, see, my argument is about the Big Bang. That violates the first law of thermodynamics that says that energy cannot be created or destroyed. So how did, it, how did that yeah, but, bang happen? It, it, it can't be created. You take like two tiny, tiny little molecule, molecules, you throw them into each other, and they have this huge explosion. What threw that, that, them into each other? Where did the molecules come from? I don't disagree. What I'm, closed system were they What in? I'm saying is that the amount of energy bound up in matter is amazing. Little tiny little particles. An atom bomb. Think about it. Like these little tiny little particles. And you have so much power that comes from them. And that's it. The question is— But what it takes to split an atom oh, I is absolutely—humankind yeah, couldn't figure that out. Until the 1940s. I've never heard of that would happen. Just kidding. Don't go there. <laughs> Don't go there. Um, yeah. So I think well, I think the big picture, what we're landing on here is that there are nitty gritties in this conversation that I don't think are probably always the most fair. Because when you do look at the scope of the Big Bang and the, what is required for the quantity of order to come out of it, it requires sentience. And even the fact that it is functioning the way it is, 
is the result that we live in a world designed by sentience. Yes. Like that's my point. And sentience is self-awareness, self-consciousness. Self-awareness sentience the is fact the that external alive, force that you're talking about. Well, it's the it's the idea that there is something that is self-reflective and powerful enough to organize space matter and bring order out of it. Like whatever it is, it's incredibly huge and very intelligent to say the least. I mean, if you can create a brain, then I'll be like, oh, that's cool. But clearly God did that. Um, so anyways, that's kind of the idea that that even even the reality that our system, the way it works, is able to to function the way it does, it's just screaming sentience all over it. So I would mm-hmm. I hear the question. I don't disagree with the question. If we assume evolutionary theory is true, that question stands. I just don't believe it's true, so therefore it doesn't contradict. I think my general perception on it. Enough said. Clear. Enough said. Craig, last word. Yeah. Uh, for me, it just comes down to the the external force. There has to be an external force, whether it's closed or open system. There's uh, I, unless I'm missing something in the question. A PhD. Yeah, yeah. There, you go. <laughs> um, there has to be an outside force working on the funniest thing I've said all day. The, just for it's worth. Other than being knocked out on the floor. Yeah, I know. I'm still bleeding. Thanks for that. <laughs> the external force, of course, we we would say the sentient being would be God. God. The, Intelligent designer. Which is where the Bible starts. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, listeners, thanks for joining us today. Please come back next time, next week, next Wednesday. We'll be doing more sermon-based questions. But on Friday this week, we will be tackling another great question. Should I skip church for my kids' sports games? Sometimes, ever, never. Oh, you want to stay, don't you? Craig has an opinion. (laughs) All right, we'll see you soon. Thank you.